0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to Fast Charge. It's just me and the usual crew this week. I'm Dom, joined by Lewis and Toddy. Uh, That does not mean it's not an exciting week though, because this week actually saw Google just all of a sudden announce the Pixel 6 uh, which we weren't really expecting because it's not due to come until sometime this autumn Uh, we do not have full details but Google has basically tried to beat some of the leakers to the punch by unveiling the design that we'd already seen leaked a little while ago and give us a few little hints at specs and details on the chip that is going to power it Uh, Spoilers, it's not a snapdragon. Uh, After that we are going to turn to the Realme MagDart charging tech. We spoke about this briefly last week. Uh, It's basically Realme's take on Apple's MagSafe stuff, but now we've had a launch event, we've seen the full suite of products that Realme has ready to go, and we actually know the tech specs on what they have to offer, and why it is, to be fair, better than MagSafe from what we can see so far in a lot of ways. And then, finally, we are going to turn to poor fleets. Uh, This week marked the official final end of fleets. You can no longer fleet at all. Uh, They are gone. But we're going to use that as a sort of springboard to talk a little bit about social media, this kind of story structure, how it works in some places and not others, because right as Twitter has killed fleets, uh, it's now been reported that TikTok is introducing stories, stories our fleets, fleets, our stories. It's the same thing. Every social media platform has them. Why, how, and yeah, w- w- why is it so bad for Twitter to do it when it just seems like an absolutely sort of reasonable introduction for TikTok? Um, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it's awful for TikTok, and uh, and and they're just as bad a use case as Twitter. We'll find out. Uh, before that, I'm going to run through a cute, yeah, few quick little bits mm-hmm. and pieces. From this week so far. Uh, first up, just today, Honor unveiled the Honor Earbuds 2 Lite. Um, not normally a product we consider super exciting, but they're kind of interesting just because they are ANC true wireless buds from a brand you might kind of trust um, that come in at around 70 euros, which is interesting because we've just had the launch of the Nothing Ear 1, which of course drew attention for offering ANC and all that stuff for 100 euros um, and Honor has kind of undercut them already. These aren't the first sort of cheap-ish ANC buds from Honor um, but we I am kind of interested to see how they compare to Nothing. I know Hannah on the team has had a pair and she's been testing them out I don't yet know what she thinks um, but it's a good reminder that for all of the flash bang and wallop around the Nothing launch uh, they are not the only cheap ANC buds around um, I, to be fair, did test one of the early ANC pairs of Honor Buds a couple years ago and I wasn't massively impressed but that was a year or two ago and I'm sure they've come on leaps and bounds so one to keep an eye on if you're tempted by nothing, but I don't know some maybe something like the transparent design doesn't quite do it for you, these look much more traditional uh, On to phone things uh, First up, yet another August launch on the way uh, Vivo has confirmed that there's going to be a Chinese launch of the iQoo 8 series on the 17th of August. Uh, the IQ phones don't always launch globally, but they do tend to come out in, in China and in India at least. And it's kind of Vivo... Vivo positions iQoo as its gaming sub-brand, basically. Uh, though they're not full-on gaming phones, they're just a, a little more gamer-y prioritizing high refresh rate and things like that. Uh, but yeah next gen of IQ is coming later this month so we're going to find out what Vivo has installed there. Before that, uh, wading into next week's big launch week where we already knew we had the uh, Galaxy Unpacked with the new Samsung foldables and the Honor Magic 3 arriving. Uh, before either of them we're going to get the Xiaomi Mi Mix 4 and probably the Mi Pad 5. Uh, but we definitely know we're getting the Mi Mix 4 on Tuesday the 10th uh, this is tipped to be sort of a flagship Mi Mix phone where the sort of exciting feature is an under display camera uh, this will be the first Xiaomi phone with an under display camera. It obviously means they're going to beat Samsung to the punch by a mere day, uh, which you kind of feel has to be purposeful <laughs> timing, right? Uh, that just as Samsung is ready to unveil its version of the tech, Xiaomi's going to plip it by less than 24 hours. Uh, Potentially especially telling because word from a lot of the leakers is that Xiaomi's implementation is much better than Samsung's. Obviously, we don't know. We haven't seen either yet officially. um, But people are predicting that the Xiaomi's camera will be harder to spot through the display and that it will take better quality selfies. Uh, We will find out. But yeah, we're gonna actually see that implemented in the Mi Mix 4 on Tuesday, which is otherwise just tipped to be a you know, ludicrously overspecced phone, very, very powerful, uh, and, and it should be really impressive. Though, worth saying it's a Chinese launch, so we don't know yet if or when it will come out globally. Also on under-display cameras, Uh, Oppo has also unveiled its latest version of under-display camera tech. Uh, You may remember Oppo actually showed this off uh, a year or two ago. It showed off under-display tech. Now it's brought it back again. It's still not put it in a device yet. So this is still just Oppo kind of showing, yeah, like in principle we can do this. Again, feels very purposeful that they have unveiled this just before Samsung and Xiaomi put it into actual products. Uh, Again, Oppo's implementation looks exciting, but it's all a bit useless and a bit of a moot point until we see it in an actual Oppo phone that we can hold and test out and and really compare these side by side. Uh, But yeah, between all this, it is very, very clear at this point, under display cameras are real, they are here, and several big manufacturers are betting big on this being one of the next big differentiators for flagship phones. Um, The big question mark now is whether the market agrees and whether people are happy to take that little selfie quality compromise for the sake of the fancier looking display. And finally, uh, speaking of Samsung, obviously next week is unpacked. We're getting a lot of exciting announcements from the company then. Uh, Until then, they've had a little bit of bad news this week. Uh, There was a big report uh, from CounterPoint Research that basically Galaxy S21 sales have been not great. Uh, That they are, I think it's 40 something percent down uh, compared to the S10. Yeah, 47% drop compared to S10 sales over the first six months and a 20% drop from S20 sales over the first six months. Uh, this was kind of worrying. Everyone saw S20 sales weren't great and everyone kind of thought, well, that was, you know, COVID and maybe it was a blip and the S21 was meant to bring it back. Uh, instead, it looks like Samsung's flagship series is going further in the wrong direction. Uh, there have been reports that Samsung is now putting together a sort of emergency audit of its mobile business to basically figure out why sales are going in the wrong direction and why you know that that has implications on profitability and things like that of course um All of this is a little bit speculatory at the moment. We don't know exactly what's going on. And I think it's safe to say, this is not a sign that Samsung's about to pull an LG and just like leave the smartphone industry. (laughs) It is still pretty high up in sales figures overall, uh, but with Xiaomi overtaking it in all sorts of different markets and flagship sales going downwards, this is clearly a sign that Samsung recognizes that it has a a, a problem and does need to pivot and and adjust its strategy somewhat. I think fundamentally this looks mostly like it's a case of some of the Chinese Android brands have managed to just outprice it in every market and I guess Samsung was always betting on its kind of flagship feel, the fact that it was premium, that it was positioned as the, the Apple alternative for the Android space and maybe that isn't actually leading to as many sales as it would like that to lead to. So my hope is this see Samsung start to try and match Uh, Xiaomi and and Oppo on pricing structures, but that may be a little bit too much to hope for.
1: This might be a bit knee jerky, but I'm expecting, you know, the A51, Galaxy A51 last year was one of the best selling phones globally, Mm. even though it wasn't the most competitive in any one area, but, you know, Samsung pedigree and and brand loyalty and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would half expect Samsung to go much bigger in the mid range next year and just deliver Mm -hmm. more value for money. That's yeah. the obvious way to kind of fix this problem, if that's how they see it.
0: No, totally. Because uh, in that mid-range space, they make nice phones. But again, they always feel like they're 50 to 100 dollars, pounds, euros, exactly. more expensive than the equivalent competition. Um, one of the interesting tidbits from this is that, again, kind of speculation, we don't know for sure, but supposedly... Uh, MediaTek are actually unhappy with Samsung about some of the shipment volume of the the cheaper devices that they've been trying out. MediaTek chips in. Um, they're again one of the companies moving to do a bit more MediaTek on on the budget and mid range devices. So even when people thought maybe that was where they were making up volume, MediaTek apparently isn't isn't super happy with the relationship they have with Samsung right now, and this is part of the headache. So um, that whether that leads to more MediaTek chips or less MediaTek chips, it, it could go either way. But yeah, do you think
2: on the on the flagship front, like it's because they've split their phone into like what was effectively at one point one or two phones is now three phones, and now they've sure. got to share all these features. Where whereas you know a few years ago you would have got what would have been an ultra feature on the standard model, so now you have to pay the extra price for something that that people will come to expect for any flagship. If that makes sense. And, and for yeah. me personally, anyway, I, 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 reviewed, it. I reviewed the, um, the S21 Plus, I think it was, and the S20 FE, and both were fine, mm. but like, they're not exciting. You know, when you get a flagship phone, I feel like I want to be wowed out of the box. And it was a fine experience. Cameras are great, performance was fine. But like, I don't know, I feel like some of the other manufacturers are, are a little bit more innovative yeah. with their flagships. I
0: think it's definitely fair to say that Samsung's been guilty of stripping back the core S phones the S21, the S20 and the yeah. Plus models since it had the Ultras they've maybe stripped us back a little too much obviously there's been lots of people controversy over things like the plastic rear rather than the glass yeah. I actually don't know if that matters too much to the average consumer but I think on feature set stuff there are a lot of things where you kind of look and and the the Ultra is comparable to the Mi 11 Ultra say but the S21 doesn't feel as comparable to the, the yeah. Xiaomi Mi 11 you know it feels like clearly there's a there's a disparity in, in, in spec for price at that tier that Samsung's not nailing. And, and yeah, maybe the problem is it's trying too hard to make the Ultra look Ultra. And in so doing, neglecting the, the regular and the Plus models. But that's where they're going to make the volume up. That's that's where they need yeah. the sales. They're never going to lead with, with sales of the Ultra, which is... You know, for, for whatever their strengths, those ultra phones are going to be divisive. They're not everyday devices because they're expensive and they're enormous. You know, most people, whenever I have one of those ultra phones around and I'm testing it, the typical response from people in my day-to-day life is more like, what is that? Why would you want a phone that size? Than excitement at how you know powerful it is or how good the display is. I don't, you know, people don't want those ultra devices for the most part outside of techie circles. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, the, Samsung's obviously betting big on kind of making foldables more mainstream, and I guess it's kind of in this in-between space where they're still niche. But if we'll see what happens with next week's launch, obviously, if it can start to really be the brand that is for Westerners at least the foldable phone manufacturer, and if it can push mm-hmm. them to affordable price points, that could give it a big leg up. Because if if you if they can get to the space where you're making a choice between the new iphone or the new foldable samsung and they've got the same specs for the same price they're going to be in a great position to me yeah (laughs) i don't think we're going to be quite there next week i think uh, we're another year away from them getting the price down to to that point but
1: evan blast threw up euro pricing just a couple of days ago from us recording yes and and that points to that they are getting cheaper but uh, I guess there would be overlap with maybe, say, like the top spec storage twelve pro iPhone 12 Pro Max, maybe. Mm. Um, okay. You know, uh, for the flip, let's say, not for the fold. So, oh, right. yeah, well, you I could either the, have a flip yeah, or a...
0: The flip was around 1,000.
1: 1,000, yeah. 1,050. 1, it doesn't look in, like that's in changed much in a year, if um, those numbers are
0: correct. Yeah, that's a couple hundred drop from last yeah. year, which I think is respectable. And if they can do that again next year... Sure, it's then... suddenly in standard flagship pricing. Uh, the, you're still getting compromises like the cameras on the Z Flip. Uh, everything we've seen so far says it's the same cameras as last year, and last year's mm-hmm. cameras were fine, but not special. So you're you still having
2: fine when you over a grand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? If
0: you still put that up against the latest iPhone, you'd still be like, "Well, the iPhone wins on cameras for sure." But the foldable screens are cool. I think that's going to be yeah. a space people are going to care about more and more. And of all the brands, Samsung is the only one like position to win that certainly for the states there's no other brand selling phones in america right now that looks ready to make mainstream foldable phones um anyway we've we've gotten distracted by samsung we said we weren't (laughs) going to talk too much about samsung because we know next week is going to be a big samsung thing uh so let's move on let's talk google uh, which yeah, I would actually almost mention there is another brand that might be doing mainstream foldables because we've heard all these rumors about the pixel fold That we know we don't know much about that But we do know a little bit now about the pixel 6 and the pixel 6 pro and that is pro not plus or anything like that So we now know it's the pixel 6 and the pixel 6 pro um, The other things we know are what they look like. You'll have seen them in the thumbnail for this video if you checked out on YouTube uh, It's safe to say they look just like the leaks we saw from, I think it was John Prosser who first leaked the design uh, a month or two ago. That was clearly accurate. That's basically what we've seen. There are some slight differences between the 6 and the 6 Pro, but they're broadly the same. And broadly, the key things are they have a two-tone design that is where the two tones are interrupted by, I think what Google is calling a camera bar rather than a bump because it stretches all the way across the width of the device and does jut out by, I don't know, it looks like a good five millimeters or so. I think something based like on leaked,
1: that. yeah, based on like the leaked uh, dimensions, because Google hasn't supplied those yet. I can kind of clarify. It's like eight point nine millimeters thick without the camera bump on both phones, but if you oh. add it in, it's yeah, it's like eleven point five millimeters or something like that. So yeah, it's a. Uh, oh wow! So it's yeah.
0: even more than like yeah, that's. That is, a, that is thick. Uh, so it's so it's a, hefty. Yeah, two or three millimeters. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, hefty bump. And then, so we know about the design. And then the other thing we know about, basically, is the Tensor chip inside, mm. which, again, heavily leaked, heavily rumored that Google was going to be going its own way in terms of silicon, just like Apple has for a long time, uh, and ditching Qualcomm to produce its own chip. It's sad to say this isn't actually 100% Google. Um, I think they were coy in the announcement about this aspect, but one of the things we've been told a lot by leakers is that actually this is another collaboration with Samsung after their close collaboration with the Wear OS software. Apparently, this chipset is also a Samsung collaboration, so that makes sense. Google has had stuff like the Pixel Pixel have had their own chips before, not the main the main system on chip, but you know they've had the little visual processor side of stuff, but still Google is not a Silicon company. That's not really what they do. So it makes sense. They're partnering with Samsung here. Uh, Toddy, you kind of wrote this up for us when the news broke Mm. on Monday while I was enjoying a day off. Uh, What what have I missed? Happy
1: birthday. Let's get that on stream as well. (laughs)
0: Uh, I was gloriously ignorant of all things pixel while that was going down. So uh, yeah, let's start with the chip because that's what we were just talking about. What else have Google actually said about this thing?
1: Uh, well, just to expand on the the kind of rumored bit that they didn't address in the presentation or in the announcement, yeah, it's seemed to be a five nanometer chip. So the latest process, as mm-hmm. you get on the snap the Snapdragon 888 and um, Samsung's equivalent Exynos, but it isn't just a Google branded Exynos chip. It is uh, allegedly pr- like performance is probably closer to that of a Snapdragon eight seventy. So it is not technically like in okay. terms of raw horsepower going to be quite as beefy what google was kind of keen to talk about and the whole reason it's called tensor is because they've already used that with their tensorflow tech their tensorflow uh, machine learning and ai based computing and that's what the pixel experience is kind of about and becoming more about with each generation and so that's what this chip is optimized for so we don't know what the architecture is like on the chip itself and and how it's doing that whether it's got like you know eight ai cores rather than like four or two as we've seen on some other processors But it's clearly been designed around performing these tasks presumably better than any other current mainstream chipset. Um, So, yeah, whilst it might not be the ultimate gaming chipset, for example, it might be really good at post-processing your photos and bringing out, you know, detail in low light shooting and skin tones in low light shooting and resolution in long distance shooting um, that would otherwise be lost from like physical limitations of camera sensors and dedicated ISPs on a phone. So and if you were
0: going to trust any company to go all in on machine learning and chips, because we've yeah. heard this before, it's a common refrain at the moment. You know, Every time Qualcomm announces a chip, they emphasize that machine learning is where they're making leaps and bounds right now. It's where people are making the fastest advancements. And even just uh, the, the OnePlus Nord 2 the other day, you know, their custom Dimensity 1200 AI with special AI features. You know, people <laughs> yeah. are very keen that AI and machine learning are where they're focusing, but if anyone was going to do it and do it well and genuinely focus on this and not just be buzzwordy about it, Google are one of the companies, I would think. They know what they're doing here.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for like the average consumer is that like technologies such as 5G and VR, it's very hard to just market that to someone and tell you it's good. Yep. There's no easy way to prove that it's as good as, you know, you know. can't just say it's faster because that's not really what it's designed for. So I've got to admit on
0: that level, I I hate the name Tensor because (laughs) to the average (laughs) consumer, absolutely meaningless. Yeah, zero impact. Most people, I don't think, follow chipsets that much. They more just want to see the big number. But at least something like the Qualcomm Snapdragon, you kind of hear it like, oh, Snapdragon. Like, that sounds like... (laughs)
1: Jazzy and and did fast did a big push and exciting. in the US. Like they had a whole like animated like dragon yeah. that was like the mascot for the brand, and you know even Intel they adopted the Blue Man Group to like make these boring yeah. technology this, principles this, like interesting and happens. exciting. That's why
0: Apple has this bionic word that yeah. it just throws in chipset names for no real reason, but it it just knows it sounds better than calling something the A12. It's you know it throws an X on the end, it throws bionic it's all, around this sounds fancier to people rather than just the numbers bigger than last year, but tensor. Uh, it's...
1: There are a couple of things that are interesting around the launch of these phones though. We well, mm-hmm. can get into the harbor in a second, but um, Rick Osterlay has been on record in various interviews um, talking about the fact that he or the company is viewing these as much more dedicated, like true flagship, the Google yes. phone, the phone they've a lot of the copy when they were talking about bringing in their own chip, was how, you know, they're finally able to do the things they weren't able to do on previous devices, mm. which is a bit of a kind of backhanded slap to Qualcomm, who's kind of been their main chip supplier well, for... Especially the since whole, last like, year, they, of...
0: they didn't even use Qualcomm's flagship chip. Like, they could have used that last year. It's them that chose <laughs> to use a mid-range call. it was Guys, there for them to hands use. Are tied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: what could I do? So yeah, that was an interesting thing for him to say, but like, you know, it, obviously it's just to kind of really big up Tensor from their yeah. perspective. But yeah, the, the idea is that, now this is going to be able to do more and uh of what they want and that means deliver a better experience which they then consider to be a more premium experience so mm-hmm. these this generation the 6 and the 6 pro is expected to be a true flagship uh the impact of that in um google's own words rick again uh was on record i can't remember too i think it was a german um android website was uh, talking about the fact that as such it'll be priced accordingly so yeah. whilst you know pixel phones have not been the cheapest phones around they've been you know okay they've been probably on par with like the galaxy s20s and s21s and the, the iphone 12s um in terms of pricing or there or thereabouts uh it doesn't know i don't know whether that means these ones are going to be more expensive i think that's what they're kind of hinting at
0: they're clearly um, setting people up for that so they avoid yeah. the disappointment when it when the price is revealed, <laughs> at least they kind of said, well, we always said it, you know, they want to manage expectations here that these are not going to be uh, yeah. mid range, especially because, as we just said last year, they used the seven series uh, Snapdragon. So they kind of were able to position last year's Pixel 5s as more affordable devices in yeah. flagship terms. And this is clearly them going, OK, we're, we're moving back to flagship flagship. Uh, what do you think of that as a strategy for Google? Does that make sense?
1: Um, just kind of glancing at the hardware that I think pixels really only shine when you get hands on with them, just like trying to describe tensor as a product, like, Mm. uh, but the other kind of facet of this is that we're expecting a much bigger marketing spend than we've Mm. had previously, which is something I've read about. So, um, I think that is going to be kind of the make or break for whether these do much better than previous recent pixel phones. Um, you know, the pixel four was an exciting device, but then in testing, it proved to be problematic. The Pixel 5 was mm-hmm. really solid, but not competitive on paper to, you know, the current competition. And it was um, a very
0: conservative phone. Yes, yes. And not just in the chipset choice, but it ditched some of the, con- uh, you know, the forward thinking features from the 4 that maybe hadn't worked as well. And actually was a very run of the mill phone by Google standards, the 5.
1: Yeah. So if these are going to succeed, it really, I think actually comes on educating yeah. Uh, potential consumers about what is good about them and just the fact that they're cool. Yeah. Um, you know, the the colours that they've pushed out don't match up with some of the colours we've seen. I think that's like a, the first thing. The the smaller Pixel Six looks to have the more kind of dynamic and interesting colourways. Um, the think, can we talk
2: about those colours for a second? Absolutely. Am yeah. Which one do you colors? like the most
1: of the six um, official images that they've released? I've
2: got I've got three of them on screen at the moment. I've got right. the black one. I've got the kind of greeny one and that kind of ready. Orangey one, yeah. And I've got to say that middle one, looking at it now, it reminds me of Bulbasaur.
1: Oh, I can see that. Oh, no, yeah. it does. Yeah. Well, totally. the Pixel like, Four it's, it's they just... did have a partnership with the Poke with Pokemon. They, did. they yeah, should yeah, do yeah. that again. Yeah. and have like a Bulbasaur case or something. That would be good. And, and the
2: red one reminds me a bit like a Pokemon Center. I don't know. It's just like the way I'm looking at these color schemes. They just look very Pokemon for, to sure, me, I don't for sure. I
1: don't know. I very it powerful. does bug me that the color the colorways are tied to the models, and I know that's not unique to the yeah. Pixel range. But, you know, sometimes the really like there's usually like a killer color combination on one of the Pixels, but it's tied mm-hmm. to one size or one, you know, one yep. model. And that's frustrating. I think like the orange Pixel for the Pixel 4 was like the most standout one or the 4XL, mm-hmm. I should say. The Panda Pixel 2 XL was a hugely popular one with the the, the white back with the black visor at the top and the orange power button. Um, that always bugs me about Pixel phones. I think the colors are fine. The Pro model is a lot more conservative. Um the colours are, I think it's champagne is the the leaked or rumoured name for the kind of goldish finish. Yeah. Um, there's also kind of a silver and a, and a dark grey, not black. Um, they kind of split that tonality so above the camera bar it's a little bit darker or a little bit lighter relative to the body colour. Um, what I would say as now, well is the... There's also more of
2: a head, isn't there? Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. and I don't love that as much. I think the, the smaller Pixel 6 looks more reg- elegant from the back. For sure, um, yeah, for sure. Ratio I've,
0: wise, I've got to say for me, the Bulbasaur Pixel Six is the only one I like the look of. Oh really? Uh, yeah. I
1: like the Coral, so that's good. So if we get options. I'll yeah. take the, the Coral. <laughs> you guys can have the Bulbasaur one. I'm
2: the, definitely taking the Bulbasaur.
0: The the Champagne <laughs> is revolting. I don't know how yeah, they, they my ended vibe. up on that. It is awful. I'm not generally a fan of gold or rose gold phones, but even so, that is no.
2: awful. Yeah, that it is looks really like bad. something that would have done well about ten years ago. Yeah. you know when, when like all the flagships around them were gold and, and very shiny and, like this is premium. but now less is more when it comes to that kind of thing
0: it's also just the the, the bottom bit is okay but that the murky brown for the, Does the, the i didn't even
2: notice that slight change yeah no that is the, the, no, the second like
0: of the darker tone for the top segment is uh yeah i don't like it <laughs> i've got to admit in general i do not like this design i res i i, I I want to celebrate google something different doing something different because i think it's you know so many phones look so similar and it's always worth championing companies who are willing to push the boat out a little bit design wise because you know phones are just slabs and they're all the same but i this doesn't work for me this doesn't work at all and i worry about that camera bar um i worry about scratching it i worry about breaking it i just it looks I mean, awkward. It, it looks like every time you try and put the phone in your in your pocket, you're going to catch the whole camera bar on like the mm-hmm. lip of your jeans pocket or something.
1: This is a phone design digging into your leg. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, this is yeah. a phone designed for a case. Like it's yes. meant to have oh, a yeah. case on it out the gate. 100%. Um,
0: and, then, and then the funny thing about yeah. that though is it then presumably it will make the phone. And this is always a problem with cases a bit, but it'll make the phone incredibly thick because that camera bar sticks out so much. A case has to meet at least at that point. Yeah. Which means mm-hmm. at that point you've got, going by the you know the numbers what, you said earlier, you're going to have like a, something it's probably twelve millimeters total once the <laughs> yeah. case is on, and and it's just going to feel so thick and bulky because actually the main body of the phones are slim-ish based on the leaks, not super yeah. slim, but they're okay. But if you are going to put this in a case, and you're probably going to feel the need to, you're going to it's going to they're going to feel like enormous phones. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, shall I just run through a few of the specs, just some of the things they actually confirmed? Like on the design front, they'd said that the, I think the Pro has a, a glossy metal aluminium finish specifically, mm-hmm. and the smaller one has a satin finish, so there's a slight kind of texture difference on the frames there, but they are metal framed, which is nice. Uh, both have uh, AMOLED displays. Uh, the Pixel 6 Pro is a 120Hz with a slightly curved edge, whereas the... Regular Pixel 6 is a flat 90 hertz display. Shame they didn't get 120 on both, I'd say, but not too surprising. Google's no. usually pretty kind of reserved with embracing the newer tech, and, like, we've had 90 since the Pixel 4, I think. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it would have been nice to get 120 on both, but I'm not that surprised. Uh, in-display fingerprint sensors, we haven't seen one of those on a Pixel, I don't believe. So it'll be interesting to we see know. how well they work. It's I don't think we have. One. Yeah, because the 3s had it on the back, and then the 4s yeah. were the face you know, the, of course the... they
0: didn't. Yeah, they took yeah. it out and, then it was,
1: and then back to the rear sensor with the five. Right. So yep. yeah, this will be the first time we've Ow. seen a pixel with a in display. So whether it's any good, we don't know what tech they're using, whether it's ultrasonic like Samsung and what Qualcomm makes, or whether it's just an optical mm. sensor, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but you've seen in some of the leaked renders from John Prosser, we've seen there's like a literal fingerprint on the lock screen that matches the material UI kind of color scheme. So yep. it's all designed to kind of slot in with the aesthetic that we've seen already from The leaked imagery. Um, Stereo speakers on both, which is nice. Uh, We don't know the resolution of the cameras, but leaks suggest it's a 50 megapixel main. Um, And then the Pro has a a telephoto, whilst they both have an ultra-wide, the Pro also has a telephoto that is times zoom, which is a weird amount of zoom, Uh, although saying that the Xperia 1 Mark 3 is 44 times zoom, so Mm. not sure why. Um, It must just be a question of
0: space constraints in the body, right? Which is
1: odd, considering the least kind of... Constrained part of the design is the camera arrangement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um,
0: uh,
1: I don't think, I'm not sure if it's, per- it might be periscopic as well. I think they mentioned that, but I didn't, I don't think they wrote it down anywhere, but it might well, they've be. They've been very um,
0: vague about just kind of saying really improved vague. sensors and things <laughs> yes. like that. They, they've tried to avoid giving many camera specifics, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they've they've given basically none, uh, but we know that it's got a four time zoom. That's the thing about it. Lots of the leaks and rumors were thinking 5.5 times because of um, you know, beta releases of Android 12, it said 5.5 mm-hmm. times or tele zoom was like a kind of piece of code that people spotted. So it's not what we were expecting. It's not as good as people were expecting because of that. Um, but I mean, four is fine. And if it does no, it totally. well, then, you know, that's really, it's not so much how far as how good quality the zoom yeah, is. Totally.
0: It, it's how well it handles the hybrid stuff and things yeah. like that past that optical. And, and that's where, again, we expect Google to that's probably do well. That's what this phone is about really. Um, and of course they this were the people first the leading chain. that like digital telephoto stuff when they, uh, you know, stripped out the ultra wide and said, no, we, we can do better telephoto. You know, now they're actually doing that with a real periscopic lens from the look of it. Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the main crux of the specs, uh, you know, more Ram 12 gigs of Ram in the pro is apparently on the table, um, mm. a big 5,000 million by battery. Which is big for a Pixel. They don't always go for like the biggest batteries ever, so that's promising. Um, we don't know the resolution of the screen, but in terms of how those two interplay, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of other...
0: these detailed tech specs you're listing are, are mostly from leaks, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. this is this is not confirmed. A lot of it, and we won't know. It for was mainly certain, the screens that
1: they give they gave details on and just said yeah. they had Tensor. Um right. I guess w- what would be interesting, you know, they've already had their intelligent battery management as part of the Pixel experience for a long time. Tensor will undoubtedly improve that if it's like handling how you're using your phone and then judging using AI hope to so, improve. Right? Yep. Yeah. So hopefully these will be good battery life phones. But actually Google's struggled with that for a while. Well, the was Pixel, 4 was, Pixel 4 was obviously know, like the worst very poor. case. The five yeah. has been great. To be fair, I've used the yeah. five every day since it came in, and I have no complaints about the battery life. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's great. So, so
2: was it the Solly sensor that really drained the battery in the I, Pixel I Four? I presume it must so. Have been a big yeah, because it
1: was it was checking for like hand gestures and checking for your face yeah. and all sorts of things like stuff that no one ever used. You but know, they also changing. just put in
0: very small cells in the 4s. Yeah, they were weirdly ah. small
1: batteries as well. Was three very, and a half in the Pixel Four. Three and a half. Yeah, something K. like that. Yeah very pokey
0: little cells for an Android phone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, before we move on, what, what do you two think of this unusual release strategy where we're now at the beginning of August, we've been given the design, we've been given details on the chip, limited other tech specs. I think probably from a sense from Google's perspective that you know only, only the proper tech nerds really care about what the battery capacity is and how many gigs of RAM it has, but more they just want to get the design and everything front of center. Um, But they're saying it's going to arrive in fall, uh, going by Google's normal timing with probably late September, more likely even October. So it it could be another two months before we actually see any more of these phones, before we get release date, before we get pricing, that kind of thing. Um, Does that seem sensible or does this seem totally nuts from Google's perspective?
2: I I think it's like being told what you're going to get for Christmas three months ahead (laughs) of time. (laughs) Like, what's the point? It's just for a surprise. Like, you know, we get leaks and we get all this kind of stuff. We get renders. You know, that's commonplace for phones that aren't out yet. But part Mm. of the fun is, is it true? Is it not true? I don't know. The only time we're going to find out is once the person gets on stage and like, here's the phone. Mm -hmm. And now they've done this like two or three months ahead of time. It's like, well, I'm kind of bored. Like, I'm I'm going to be bored a bit by the time it comes because I've got a feeling they're going to do a OnePlus and this is not going to be the end of it. As time goes on, they're going to introduce other little bits of information by the time you get to it everyone's gonna know everything about the phone nobody's gonna watch and mm-hmm. then you're gonna be like what what, what happened here the, the, that's my opinion anyway
1: <laughs> uh, you know i i wholly agree like this is, uh, there's like three camps of launching a phone or in the run-up to a phone's launch there's the, the apple style where is nothing really officially until it launches yeah. Uh, which is arguably the most impactful. Uh, and then the people yeah. who want to seek out the information before launch can choose to do so. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, everyone's just kind of, okay, this is what it is. Uh, there is the kind of halfway house, which I'd say is probably the weakest of the three, which is where this could go, which is what Sony did with the Xperia 1 M3 and 5 M3, telling us at the start of the year that it's coming and then the phone's not coming until like August, September. So like mm. a six-month to seven or eight-month window uh without much else in the meantime kind of just lets the the hype die down which is what google is now at risk of doing mm. um and then there's as as lewis just pointed out the one plus method which is just continually teasing stuff until there's nothing left to surprise you at the launch mm-hmm. which is great for hungry tech tech nerd fans and that is i think the main crowd that draws pick like that pixels draw in right now. Yeah. But if Google wants us to be perceived as a more mainstream device and a more serious like competitor to the Galaxy S20, whatever's and the iPhone's, Um, as it's always kind of thought it should have been, but has never really made, like, real, um, then I don't think that's the way to go. I think you need to go more towards the Apple end of things and try and keep shtum and just, you know, tease general kind of, like, yes, we're working on a phone, fine, but don't really, don't show us the phone now. Yeah. Um, Unless they felt their hand was forced by the leaks. I don't know. That's the other option here that could have happened.
0: I'm sure that's part of it. I mean, we had seen this design leaked already and a lot of stuff about the chip had been leaked i wonder if they knew there was a big leak about to drop and they just wanted to get ahead of it Mm -hmm. um i do i do wonder on the release strategy stuff because to me part of them moving up to this higher price tier as they're clearly positioning to is actually maybe a signal that they don't expect to sell these in huge numbers and that they are happy to maybe do smaller run pixels that are the darlings of the tech press again and maybe they feel like a couple years of doing compromised, affordable versions to make them mainstream phones. A, it didn't work. They didn't get huge sales figures. They did not become mainstream iPhone rivals. But B, they stopped getting good press about them because they started getting bad reviews. Or not bad reviews, but certainly less fawning reviews. Mm. Um, More of a sense of there were too many compromises, the cameras weren't keeping up with rivals and all of that kind of thing. So they were no longer the best of Android. And that was maybe an embarrassment to Google that as the... You know, the people who make Android, they couldn't even make the best Android phone out there. So I wonder if this is them positioning the flagships as really just these are for the tech people. These are to be, you know, to be reviewed, to be to be known. As as I've already seen someone years ago, someone saying of the Pixel line that its job was to the only reason Pixels existed was to have a better camera than iPhones so that apple couldn't go around saying the best camera phone is an iphone instead <laughs> yeah. everyone said no it's a pixel didn't matter that no one bought them the matter was the, the point was it took the wind out of Apple's sales yeah uh, and i do wonder if that's them moving back to that line and then positioning the a series which has been a success for them as the stuff they actually expect to sell in numbers
1: well this is the other thing you know they, they've, they've decided to show their hand on the pixel 6 now what you know, the silence was almost deafening on any mention of the Pixel 5, which they've already confirmed is yes. on its way.
0: And, and this is my other question mark around the timing here, is we know the Pixel 5 is on the way, at least for the US and Japan. It seems like maybe just the US and Japan, but still, maybe, there is a Pixel yeah. 5a, it is coming. It's probably coming this month, because they orig- originally said to expect it at the same time as the 4a, and that was an August announcement, for the 4a 5G at least. Um Every leak we've seen of the 5A says it looks like last year's 4A and 5, it looks just like the old Pixels, it's going to be a very conservative sequel, and that's fine, but why show off your wild looking flagship? And then release the very boring looking mid-range it's device. An old that phone. everyone's just going to be like, "Oh it's got <laughs> the old design, it's not like the six, it's not come get the 5A out the door so that everyone can say this is a great mid-range device and then say, now we're tearing up the rule book. That's the last phone you're ever going to see from us that looks boring like that one, you know we're, we're doing cool phones now. we're Google. we're two-tone again.
1: If this was that they felt their hand was forced by leaks and they decided to show this early, I think they should have just ridden it out and just held off and just been like, yeah, here's the 5A. Yeah. Hold off. We got more in store. It's going to be good. Yeah. Whatever do a you thing see we now, like... you don't know whether that's real.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Do a 5A launch where you hype up the 6 a little bit.
1: Yeah, fine.
0: Uh, you know, uh, as, it, as it is, it feels like it's going to undermine the 5A launch, already undermined yeah. by the fact that it's going to be Like I said, probably just the US and Japan. That's going to really impact the quantity of press coverage internationally and also the tone of it. Um, uh, it, it, They put themselves into an opposition, I think.
1: I mean, the value of the 5A or the A series, especially in the US, is that, you know, that mid-range value just doesn't have as much competition there. Yeah. Um yeah. maybe that's the same the Japanese market. I'm not as familiar with that market to know. The
0: Japanese market from my understanding is not, just like very very odd, very different to else. there are. Sure. You know, like that's Sharp, Sharp is a player in Japan and Sharp yeah. does not release phones anywhere else in the world. Yeah. You know, there's there's intricacies to the Japanese market that are it's maintained its own little bubble.
1: Yeah. I think. Yeah. So I, I I yeah, I don't I don't fully understand why this happened the way it did and I think no. the 5A it has a place only because it People want cheaper mid-range phones, like good mid-range phones in the US that there aren't many choices. Mm. But elsewhere, it's not going to stir the soul, I think, and especially now that Google's effectively damned it in the shadow of the Pixel 6 line.
0: We will see. Interesting position. So yeah, 5A, we should hopefully find out more about in the next few weeks, unless there's been some very big changes uh, in in Google's plan for the rest of the year. Uh, Pixel 6, we will find out more in fall, Uh, As we said, I think expect late September, early October as kind of the timeline to probably see the Pixel 6 uh, in more detail along with the Android 12 launch. And as I briefly alluded to earlier, there have also been some leaks and rumors around a Pixel foldable, which everyone's expecting to be called the Pixel Fold. Uh, Again, that was tipped for a, a Q4 2021 release. So we may see that turn up alongside the 6, but Google has made no official mention of foldable at all. so you know don't hold your breath for that one that could all be a <laughs> little, little bit of smoke and mirrors on me because pot we will find out uh let's move on from there and turn to real me which you know i um, i'll you know me a culprit at the top of the segment i'll admit i made a lot of fun of real me last week but I think actually, still valid. <laughs> it, actually it's yeah i mean maybe it still deserves a little bit of 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 fun taking, but it does look kind of cool, and I will say, yeah. I mean, the big thing I want to say at the top is, you know, we, we poked fun at how bulky the charger looked last week. It has now been revealed by Realme in the format that there is a big, bulky MagDart charger with a fan strapped on the back, but there's also a normal, human sized charger <laughs> that is actually slimmer than Apple's MagSafe charger. So, for all of the poking fun at, that, you know, that they couldn't make one that was a normal size, they actually have up to you know, beaten Apple at their own game in terms of that side of it. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself though. So Toddy, run us through what Magdart is, uh, and also what it isn't in the sense that they did announce a phone, but it's not a phone anyone's going to be able to buy, right?
1: Yeah, so they showed off uh the, the their Magdart technology, which is yep. Uh, MagSafe for Android is the kind of sort of unofficial working title we're going with yeah um and the Realme flash which is Realme's first concept phone which if you don't really haven't encountered a concept phone it's just usually a proof of concept device so something to show off a certain technology Mm. uh sometimes they go on sale vivo in the past has been like the the next line of vivo's um devices have usually been their kind of concept range and they do usually launch them uh albeit at very high prices or
0: uh, is the Apexes oh, Apex, and the Nexes are their flagship tier that they seem to have quietly abandoned, we haven't had one in a couple of years The next tree was
1: really good, you reviewed it, it was good yeah. Um. Sorry, yes, that's right, Apex excuse me, uh, and that's where we, I think we first saw like a pop-up camera on a phone, that was the, the Apex thing yes. so what the Realme Flash is, is a Snapdragon 888 powered phone, they didn't really give us any other specs Okay. Uh, it's got a curve front and a curve back. That's about all I can tell you about it. Um, and it has MagDart support. So it has a, a larger copper wireless charging coil than, uh, Apple's MagSafe equivalent. Um, that's kind of how they described it. Um, and yep, the design similarly to MagSafe has a ring shaped magnet. Uh, it's a cobalt and something, uh, super strong magnet Ron. that they say will, was it cobalt and what? Uh, boron, I think boron. Boron. Thank you. Yes. You know, very fancy materials. Uh, the the hook um is as well as being able to position it in any orientation which is nice um it should be super strong uh and it doesn't lose its magnetism particularly quickly they said it Mm -hmm. loses like less than a percent in two years of its kind of newtons of of force i guess that it's able to exert on on an equivalent charger um and with the phone they also showed off a bunch of accessories and like magsafe it's not just charging accessories there's other things it's almost modular like that is really what Mm. this is is it's a modular platform that's based around a magnetic charging system um to call it the fastest magnetic charging um like android phone is odd because it's the fastest around it (laughs) 50 watts is is the speed so it's not the fastest we've seen charging wise but as wireless charging goes it's pretty good um, adding the magnet in there, no doubt, complicates some of the things to do with magnetic fields and charging rates and induction, all that kind of stuff. So the fact they've managed to figure that out is impressive. Um, and they showed it off with the, the main charger is this one that Dom just mentioned with this big old fan on the back to keep the phone cool um, because induction does generate heat. Um, it was also the same reason that air power had such a hard time yes. coming to light because yep. too much heat and this is why
0: if, if, if you if you buy an android flagship that advertises you know 50 watt 45 watt 55 watt wireless charging that will always be with their own dedicated wireless charging stand yes. and that stand <laughs> will always have a fan in it because at least so far <laughs> no one's able to do wireless charging at these speeds without massive heat production so yeah, yeah the fan being included here is is a necessary compromise on that part for we, sure we can... but it does mean this 50 watt charger looks Hella ugly. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, it lo- I said a lot. Like like mini- I don't
2: care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it, there was also actually mentioned, we should have mentioned in the Pixel 6 segment, that there is rumors of a wireless charging stand with a fan for the Pixels coming as well. Right, yeah. um, that's another thing. Uh, but yeah, like as well as this 50-watt charger, they showed off this super thin... 15 watt charger that is faster charging, more efficiently charging than Apple's equivalent uh, with the 12 series iPhones minus the iPhone 12 mini. Um, And what else did they show? They showed a um, battery pack, just like the one that Apple recently launched for 99 pounds and dollars, which also connects into a separate stand. So it can be a phone stand that itself is also a battery pack, which is quite nice as a kind of two-in-one. And then beyond that, oh yeah, they had uh, just magnetic accessories. They had a beauty light, which is like basically a, a Diffused ring LED for the rear Mm -hmm. or front camera that flips up powered by induction using kind of reverse charging through MagDart Which is good to know that that is also an option so you could maybe charge up headphones in the future If that was if they made a MagDart, you know headphone attachment or something They had a wallet with a kickstand built in They had um, a case for the Realme GT which recently launched which is nice So that phone doesn't have wireless charging this would add it in through this magnetic system um and that was all the kind of hardware they showed off. The other thing was the MagDart Fusion Plan, which mm-hmm. is them talking about MagDart as a standard. What I have asked them and what they didn't really make clear was whether that is just a standard that they are going to be using going forward on other devices, devices you can actually buy, or whether they're looking to open this standard up for other manufacturers, be them accessory makers or other phone makers, mm-hmm. to implement in their products they haven't specified
0: the the important part of this really here um i think is actually that realme gt case because (laughs) you know the flash isn't a real phone you can't buy it but the realme gt case you will be able to buy you'll be able to put on gt and suddenly then you can buy all these accessories and it unlocks this magsafe tech for a phone that's already there but what's important there is that i mean we don't know for sure maybe there's stuff they've built into the GT specifically to handle this because they were forward thinking, but that seems unlikely because they would have just put in MagDart entirely in that phone. This means at least for all of Realme's phones, there doesn't seem anything to stop them from releasing compatible cases for every Realme phone on the market and, and giving them access to this MagDart tech. That also then does mean theoretically opening up, you know, phones from other manufacturers, uh, I'm sure there's a software element to it, so that's where that would sure. you know require collaboration. Um, I suspect what we're going to see is this standard become uh, adopted across the, the the BBK portfolio. So Realme, Oppo, and OnePlus fundamentally maybe Vivo, though they tend to be quite separate. So I'd be less confident about Vivo, but I would be very surprised if we don't see this tech in uh, Oppo and OnePlus phones very soon. Mm-hmm. They because of the branding stuff, I would actually suspect they probably won't call it MagDot and that would be the stupid confusing thing and they'll kind of hide that it's the same tech, but it's the same way we've seen that often the mm. OnePlus and Oppo phones will actually, uh, you know a OnePlus phone will fast charge on some VUC chargers, and an Oppo will fast charge on some OnePlus chargers because it's basically the same tech, they just brand it differently and have a different coloured cable so, you know, we'll probably see that the OnePlus 10 has, you know mag power or warp mag or or whatever <laughs> it is But it will be MagDot, you know, it will just be MagDot by another name. And and yeah, we'll have MagVook or something as well for the Oppo versions. But it will all be the same tech and probably total compatibility across the stuff. They just might not advertise it as compatible. Uh, Um, I would be shocked if we see Xiaomi uh, or or Samsung jumping on board because they'll just do their own version of this and we'll be in that standard mess. The real question is whether, say, someone like Qualcomm, ...brings in some sort of universal standard into the chipsets, like we have with their, their charging tech, you know. But other yeah. than that, there's no way this becomes a universal Android standard. Like,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, the glaringly obvious thing during this presentation is, like, you know, they live with, this is obviously, this is better because it is faster and more efficient than MagSafe. And mm. our accessories are going to be more, like, reliable and stronger, sticking on the back of your phone. What they didn't tell you was any price of availability. So... They called the real me flasher concept phone, but right now everything we were shown was a concept. Mm-hmm. And the success of any platform like this, no matter how efficient or good it is, is how ubiquitous and, and uh, accessible it is. Yeah, and you know, to that, you know, I, I could totally see the VKK BBK family adopting it, and that's pretty good. Um, as a standard goes, to have it across some big brands like Oppo, being one of the global players, that's you know, especially in markets like China it's got real potential to take off there mm. uh beyond that yeah unless we have actual concrete details about like anything they shared off it's it's smoke right now it's, totally. <laughs> it's and yeah. there's, there's
0: a temptation to give them credit for doing one better than apple and mm-hmm. having a whole portfolio ready at launch you know you, you, yeah. you made the comment about apple's only just released the, the 99 pound battery pack and that's I don't know, what, what like nine, 10 months after it introduced MagSafe. You know, Realme has all this ready to go from day one, in a sense. But in another sense, we're still not at day one anyway. We, we don't know when any yet, of this yeah. is going to no. gonna come. So,
2: I think another important part to it will be third-party manufacturers. Exactly. <laughs> because that's yes. one thing that Apple leans on, is Apple doesn't need to rush to market with all these accessories because they know Belkin and everybody else are going to do it for them. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a real question as to whether that's gonna happen with
1: Realme. Well I I, I I even said in my piece, like before uh Realme came along, like there were already third party magnetic wireless charging yeah. solutions like yeah. mouse, do a uh limitless free yeah. series, which is the one before they did MagSafe compatible cases, had a wireless charger that had magnets in it, so that you could just snap it on and you knew it locate up perfectly, and that's the whole yeah. point of Magdart here. Uh so it's not new, it's not it's not new to the Android world, it's just that. This is the first time I've seen a manufacturer phone maker doing this, which is, I think maybe a way to ensure it's got more legs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Apple kind of has followed through way more than Realme has at this point.
0: I I do have to admit before, before we move on as someone who to be fair has not used any of the iPhone 12 series. So I've not tried MagSafe myself. I still do not understand the purpose or the appeal. And it just it's holds so zero draw for me.
1: It's Why? So what does it? What does it get? Not you? so much. It's... Okay. All right. Let the I'm wallet suck. Okay. The wallet is rubbish. Don't like the wallet. <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't use the wallet. The only don't thing use the I wallet. use is not actually. It's not actually an Apple accessory. It's a Belkin one. Oh, brilliant. It's their um their two in one wireless charger. Um, so it's got a little MagSafe puck on a stand, at a slight angle, um, and then when I go to bed at night, I literally just reach my phone out. I don't even have to look. I put it near it; and it snaps into place, and that's wirelessly charging there. And then underneath, I've got a little bit from my AirPods, and it's just—I don't like with 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 my old wireless charger. You'd have I'd, I'd have to look at what I'm doing because you'd have to get it in the sweet spot and you'd have to make sure it's actually charging. Whereas I know as soon as that magnet grips my phone and snaps it into place, like I'm I'm not even looking; I'm just kind of reaching like that.
1: Like, there yeah. You go. I think the, the the funny thing with wireless charging as a as an a, uh, an additional technology to a smartphone, so much has to go into these phones to make it work. Mm-hmm. And at fifteen watts, that is maybe the bare minimum speed that could convince me that I should get a wireless charging, like park and all this other stuff. Yeah, fifty watts that Dart magdot does. Okay, that's appealing to me because it's also really quick. Um, but yeah, like the the jump from plugging your phone in to resting it on a pad to knowing that the pad is going to line up is a lot of things have to go right for I think people to really get excited about this this as a platform, as an ecosystem yeah. of, of mm. experiences.
2: I guess for um, me as someone for, who's for card docs as well. Yeah. yeah. Card right, yeah. so good.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> for me as someone who is on board with wireless charging, I guess I can slightly see the draw of magnets that will lock it into place or like guarantee it hits the spot, but It feels like a very small extra to me. That feels like a very minor kind of, we've updated our wireless charger this year. Now it's got magnets in. It doesn't feel like uh, this is a whole new ecosystem. This is a game changer. At least for me, I use wireless charging every day. And 99% of the time I put my product down and it charges. Yes, sometimes it misses the spot and that is frustrating. But I don't, for me at least, it's not been such a regular day-to-day occurrence that I feel it's been a deal breaker for me or something that would make me really Mm. feel like oh, this is a huge draw that I'll avoid that, like, very, very, very occasional time where it... And they all light up when they charge, so if it, if the screen doesn't turn on when you put it on the charger, you know you've missed, like, you know you haven't got it in the right spot, because it tells you, it tells you that you've, you know, or rather it doesn't tell you that it has hit the spot. So, um, yeah, for me, it just feels like solving a problem think... that
2: isn't there. But <laughs> yeah. I think it's a first step in a long line. It's, it's obvious that Apple at one point wants to ditch the port. You know, we've heard about the, the portless iPhone for a couple of years now. And it's obvious that they're, they're aligning MagSafe to do that. It's got basic yes. kind of communication between its accessories and, and the phone itself. So there's some kind of smarts there with an NFC chip and all that. And I feel like they're just going to build on that over the next few years until we get to a point where it can do decent data transfer. And then you're not going to need a USB port anymore. You'll just use a MagSafe I mean, charger to we've access already seen that if Is you it? need to.
1: Xiaomi already has a working concept of its like directional induction charging. You have that big box in your lounge and it'll yes, shoot yeah. power wirelessly at a phone across the room. It's really a matter of time before that hits. That will then negate all of this, yeah. minus yeah. maybe the accessories element and having magnetic accessories. Mm.
2: Um, also, yeah. I just want to say to Apple, because I know you're watching, <laughs> please, or oh, somebody, please make, because it just, in my mind, it makes so much sense for MagSafe. Um, it's very niche just for CarPlay. Um, but be able to plug your phone onto a, a dock that then wirelessly transmits CarPlay.
1: I would just be terrified of trusting magnets and going over bumps. Yeah. I like... know oh,
2: it's fine. I've got one for my car. I've, I've used one since last September. With the charger, it's purposefully weaker, so it's easy to come off when you're right. using it. But when it comes to car ch- uh, car mounts and stuff like that, the, the, the magnets are much stronger on the on the mounts, so it okay. stays in place.
1: I'll take your word for yeah. it.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, yeah, I'll admit I remain a MagSafe, MagDart skeptic, but clearly this is the way the industry is going, so I'm just gonna have to catch up eventually, um, or or risk forever being old man yelling at clouds. Silly, silly nonsense magnet (laughs) clouds that no one needs. But there we go. Uh, (laughs) Let's move on, finally, where I could be an old man all over again as we talk about social media. (laughs) Another thing I'm too old to understand. (laughs) Uh, Twitter this week killed Fleets, uh, a feature I've I've got to admit cannot have been mourned very much. Uh, I don't think they even lasted a year Uh, I think it was nine or ten months but Fleets were Twitter's ill-fated introduction of the story model uh obviously shamelessly lifted from instagram and then from instagram to most other social platforms actually we'll snapchat first i was so gonna snapchat say it's basically first. snapchat Sorry.
1: the whole experience is snapchat of snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> snapchat then instagram cool.
0: then facebook then yes. youtube has it uh linkedin
1: has it, oh, does LinkedIn have it? It's there's, one, there's
2: one that everybody misses and it's the most pointless one of all of them WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yes, WhatsApp, WhatsApp. stories. Yeah. What's the point
0: in I? that? <laughs> I know I know one person who who does yeah, WhatsApp yeah, stories. i like one, one, one person on my one. app who does it. Anyway, the so, same person. <laughs> probably. Fleets fleets are in a similar state to WhatsApp in that no one ever uses it. Very, very common for me to log into Twitter while fleets have been there and just see sort of two fleets sitting at yeah, the top of my feed any in there. While I follow a thousand people, only two <laughs> yeah. of them are bothering to use it. Uh obviously this was True, because Twitter has just killed the whole thing, admitting that it it didn't get it right. Uh, This week, August 3rd on on Tuesday, was the last day for Fleets. Um, The reason I kind of wanted to talk about this was because this same week, the story is broken that TikTok is beta testing, adding stories into its app. Uh, So, you know, (laughs) Fleets died to just immediately move over to TikTok, (laughs) the one platform left that didn't have them, essentially. why? I mean, we don't need to about the why? success of the twenty-four hour story format. I think it makes sense, and and we probably all yeah. use them in some form or another. I, you know, from my joking, I do use Instagram stories. Um, yeah. Why does it make? Why do they work on Instagram when they don't work on WhatsApp and they clearly didn't work on Twitter? And will they work on TikTok? Is is, is it just make sense to TikTok, or is TikTok just going to kill them I mean, again in a year?
2: Well, I, I get the idea behind it. And you like because like your your actual profile with all your saved and uploaded videos will be like your your portfolio of all your best content. Where it's like these are all my funny videos. These are all the cool things that I do. Whereas yeah. sometimes you just want to talk to people and be like, oh, this is what I'm doing today. And it's not you know it's not engaging to have on your main page, but you still want to have that interaction with people in, in your community as you grow your, your mm-hmm. community on on these sites. Uh, so I feel like it's an important community and kind of interaction thing. And it just yeah. I think there's less pressure. People feel less pressure because they know that it's gone in 24 hours. Like they don't really care. They don't have to put as much production value into what they're uploading as they would on their main TikTok mm. uh, feed. But at the same time, I think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just there's too many stories at this point. I can't keep up with all but that's just me being an old man.
1: <laughs> I mean I mean, Twitter Twitter's struggled like over the years for various reasons, like how to monetize and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I feel like even though it as a platform supports videos and supports streaming and it supports photos, it was first and foremost a text-based platform whereas Instagram, and it still is first and foremost people like to just throw out, you know, the hundred and whatever characters now, 161 there we go Um, (laughs) uh, of of a thought into the ether and, and that's it, and you know, you can share that message to your fleet as well if you want, but that's not really what
0: why do you, why do you have need already, a video version the, of a text yeah. message? It doesn't yeah. make any so, sense.
2: Yeah, for, for Twitter specifically, they said that they introduced fleets as a way to encourage people that don't tweet very often to start sharing more because there's less pressure because it's it's a disappearing thing. Yeah. But what they said ha- actually happened was that the loudest people on Twitter were the ones that use fleets most. So it's just more of the same. So they yes. were like, okay, let's just cut this. It's a terrible idea.
1: Yeah. Also, like, Twitter, just as a platform, moves so quickly that everything disappears off anyone's feed in a short amount of time.
0: You don't scroll down someone's Twitter feed, except maybe, you know, you've got a new follower or someone, you maybe scroll down to check their last few days of tweets, but generally speaking, yeah. it's not like Instagram or something where you will scroll down someone's profile and, and look at their, their wall of posts. Like, you don't do that with Twitter, you just see what's in your feed that day. Um they already have fleets just kind of accidentally and and, you know there's tools for twitter users to go and i'm not sure if there's official ones but there are certainly third-party tools to go and delete old tweets to automatically delete tweets after a certain date i know a lot of people use this you know so it's, it's already there in a way to be able to to make your twitter ephemeral if you if you feel the need to
1: yeah and and you know there's there's value in um the the ephemerality of it if that is a word uh there's value in for certain types of content it works better um than i think a text-based platform ever has you know instagram people use instagram as a storefront now and you can have sales and things it's easier to kind of push that kind of stuff in a visual medium anyway so again it just falls back to the fact that twitter is text first and foremost and that doesn't translate well
0: So here's a question for you then on that basis. And I agree with you. I think that is really at the heart of it. It's just Twitter is a text medium, not a photo or video medium. But if it takes being a photo or video medium to succeed, why are they so bad on YouTube?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. uh, There's also, you know, long form and short form content, Mm -hmm. you know, mobile first content. Instagram and TikTok are mobile first platforms. You know, Mm -hmm. YouTube was was built on the desktop on the web browser. And it just doesn't translate well. Like watching YouTube videos on a phone is empirically an inferior experience to watching on a computer. Yeah. Um, and on TikTok, the reverse is true. Trying to watch TikToks on a computer is doable, but it's not very good. Mm-hmm. It's not very fun. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's why YouTube's, what are they, YouTube Shorts? Is that what they're called? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, even though yeah. they're baked into the YouTube app on mobile, that's just, they just, they're, and it's also people notice, are conditioned though. now. Yeah, exactly. I can't even yeah. remember where they are in the UI people are conditioned as well to expect certain types of interaction and certain types of content. Yeah. And Instagram has managed to pull that off because people are already so used to exploring the UI. They've updated it in such a way that, you know, they, they've always been moving things around a bit. So people are kind of prepped to look for that yep. um, with Twitter, which hadn't really evolved much in terms of the UI uh, on mobile or desktop really for a long, long time, people weren't expecting it. And so they weren't maybe willing this is kind of me just reading. This is not like based on like a psychological study here, Yeah. but that's my perception of it. Um, people are conditioned to look for things on platforms like TikTok and Instagram that are new and different um, and explore them as well. Cause also the algorithm on those platforms awards them for using those features more readily than we've seen on other platforms. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure YouTube wished that all the shorts users shot to the top of the charts, but it wasn't how it was going to be.
0: One of the other thoughts I've had on, on the YouTube front um i I think it's probably less important than that point about being mobile first versus desktop first but i wonder if there's something to the different ways they have communities around whether you are mainly on that platform to post yourself or to look at other people's posts Mm. and obviously youtube lots of people have a youtube account the average person has never posted a video on youtube you know most people are just watching other videos yeah. and so it means that there's a small pool of youtube creators who may post shorts but it means that you'll only see the shorts from those 10 people you subscribe to or whatever you'll never see a load of them and you probably wouldn't instinctively post to youtube because you average person have never posted to youtube you might comment on things right. but you don't post content um And then Instagram is obviously in that position where people do post. Obviously, there's still a huge influencer culture. I'm not trying to suggest that's not the case. But the average person also posts a lot to their Instagram. There's not that sense, I don't think, of an Instagram lurker in the way that, I don't know, there's the Twitter lurker who has an account but never tweets, but they just read Twitter. Everyone I know on Instagram posts on Instagram. The people I know who don't post also don't check it anymore. Um, yeah, you know, it's pure anecdata, obviously. But I think there's a sense that on Instagram, yes, there are big accounts that are, you know, influencers and are and you know have different ratios of follow to follower. But the average person is also very happy to post to their story, uh, and part of the way stories work for Instagram, I think, is it encourages the average person to post a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. because you don't, as you know, that sense of you're not worried about something permanently being on your wall that's maybe not as good as you want it to be. So it encourages the average person to just post a story is an awful lot. Um, I have never in my life opened the TikTok app. Uh, I know both of you never. have. So I'm curious oh, from it. your perspective. Oh, love it where does tiktok fall in that spectrum because as an outsider my my view of tiktok is is actually more the influencer side almost like youtube where there's key accounts that are followed but the average person doesn't post to tiktok
2: but i'm not sure how true that is you go lewis (laughs) honestly i think people do i mean not me i don't post on tiktok but you you can you'll go on plenty of people's tiktoks and they will you know they'll average out at like 50 views but they've got like you know, a hundred videos of them just doing random things. I think, and I I do think it's a generational thing as well. I think people our age treat it more like YouTube, whereas the people of the younger generation, it's more their Instagram. They just express themselves. It's not about Mm -hmm. products. It's just about them and what they're doing. Um, So yeah, I think it's partly done to to how you view this kind of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Considering Instagram has kind of had a habit of trying to assimilate or at least copy Uh, other apps, other social apps, in terms of the various mediums. Obviously, they started with stills and they added videos. Now we have stories, which are basically Snapchat. Um, Reels. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Uh, All of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, You could argue that Instagram has had the most success in in both camps of of creators and consumers. Mm. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, Lewis, you did just make a good point about maybe it's generational. My perception is that not as many people considering the sheer number of tiktok users not as many people yeah. are creators and i think there's a lot that there's a skew much more towards consumers um over creators on tiktok whereas i feel it's a little bit more balanced on instagram i feel like more people are willing to throw to stories yeah. on instagram um and or to their feed or wherever yeah um yeah. and that is probably so, partly
0: a question of format in the i mean instagram because it was primarily a photo platform first and foremost even in stories people are often just going to throw photos up and yeah. if you're the average person you've got a phone that takes nice photos it's very easy to just be like yeah i'll take this nice photo where i am or what i'm having for lunch or whatever i think for a lot Everyone of people I'm doing. it's a bit more daunting <laughs> to film a video of yourself doing something yeah. that's a big a bigger step to sort of throw something out into the world right
1: instagram stories particularly are also very good at pulling in different types of content into one feed so you can share Mm -hmm. your photos you can share just only text they've got tools for that now you can share videos from your camera roll or straight from the app itself uh whereas on TikTok, the only kind of there is no other option you have to do video that's how it is right now obviously they have tools as well for captioning and all this kind of stuff but it's all based around video so it's it's a bit more of a kind of linear experience in terms of how similar a repeatable tiktok is versus a tiktok story will be you know with mm-hmm. the exception of it disappearing after a while i imagine that the content will look very similar mm-hmm. um whereas instagram you can get a lot more variety in the story um yeah i think yeah. half
2: the reason instagram stories did so well is because they messed up the algorithm so bad that people just <laughs> start posting their posts to their story so you go through stories yes. first to check what's new then you go through your feed yeah well the,
1: yeah. the funny thing about fleets uh is that you know so I've seen so many, so many tweets posted to Instagram stories. That yes. is a thing now. I yes. see. Yeah, yeah. Like Twitter wishes fleets had the number of tweets posted to so it that Instagram yeah. stories does. Which I always thought was funny.
0: Uh, final note, a uh, question for, for you two each then, uh, as we sort of wait and see when, when these stories actually do arrive on TikTok, do you think stories will be a success on TikTok? Does it make sense for TikTok to do this? Or do you think they're just going to be sort of neglected by the user base?
2: Uh, I think if there's if there's text and, and image tools rather than just video, I feel like it will add a bit of variety, a bit of spice to the app. Uh, mm-hmm. But if it's just yeah, literally just the same video tools as you get in the standard thing, I don't think there's much. There's going to be as much to it.
1: There's been so much talk about how much sway and and how much your content can be affected by algorithm behavior on TikTok that I imagine mm-hmm. if they award people for using. TikTok stories and it helps algorithmically, mm-hmm. then it will take off because, yeah. yeah, so I think it really just depends on how TikTok has set up stories from an sure. algorithm perspective as to whether or not it will be a success. If it suddenly sends accounts skyrocketing, skyrocketing like up your For You page, then, yeah. People yeah, will chase the algorithm yeah.
0: wherever it goes, right? Exactly. That's a good, That's yeah. good point.
1: Yeah. Um, whereas whereas on Twitter, just...
0: everyone just overrides the algorithm and says newest content first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Whereas TikTok was like out the gate. It was like yeah. there's no option for that. This yeah. is just how we do. Let's um, just cut that off. Yeah. Before you close out the show, Dom, this is unrelated to anything we've just talked about, but it's actually a callback to last week's episode. Sure. I just Hi. wanted to ask, how is your uh Nothing Ear One case looking after about Ooh. a week's worth of use? Because um, uh, is it Becca? I don't know how to pronounce the surname, Versace. I'm gonna say probably butchered it uh, from the, oh, the verge. She just shared yeah. a photo, and her case is scratched up after one week, and it just uh, you probably can't see in the quality of the camera. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, no. really scuffed already. Oh, that's bad. I'm wondering how yours is looking. Is not
0: that bad, but yeah. certainly the edges all look like that. Um, right, right. Yeah, okay. they. I, I haven't had. Yeah, they don't. Not as many scratches across the the main top of the body, but equally mine for the most part. Uh, you know, I have no idea how she's carrying them around. For me, they just sure. go in a jeans pocket with the phone, uh, or very occasionally in a rucksack pocket where also there's the phone. Um, mm. I'm never yeah. putting them in the same pocket as keys or anything like that. So there's not a whole lot to scratch them up in terms of the way I'm carrying about. So I'm probably like the best case user um, yeah. for that, in- and still getting a bit scratched
1: interesting for a design that they said was like function first and form second
0: i think like, i i'm still wrapping up my nothing review so i don't want to you know say too much but sure. yeah my one of my like question marks around them is yeah a lot of this stuff they've been talking about seamlessness about um you know yeah everything being functionality first so that it, everything just sort of drops away honestly a lot of that just feels like buzzwords to justify using transparent plastic um, <laughs> you know that Fair. i wouldn't say that's really matched up to my experience of using these that that sense of seamlessness has carried through to the user experience in a big way mm. um it just seems to be more like they're a little bit see-through so they're harder to see
1: um, <laughs> fine well i guess we could read the review <laughs> next week probably at this point
2: yes yes uh, I'll see what you on really next feel week. Um,
1: uh, what, what's your closing thought on on fleets and tiktok stories them.
0: i mean i'm I'm never going to use them i i never i don't <laughs> think i ever even i use twitter every day twitter is my my social media addiction I, I spend far too much time on twitter i'm confident i never opened a single fleet oh no except i did by accident because when you tapped on someone's profile <laughs> picture it, it gave you the choice it, it of fleet be, and yeah. sometimes yeah. you hit the wrong one Th- that would be the only way i ever opened a fleet i was immediately like no this isn't what i want from twitter um i certainly <laughs> never posted one uh i'm not surprised they went if anything i'm just glad twitter had the good sense to kill them um, yeah. rather than just drag it out and just be like, well, we put all the dev work in, we're going to leave them there. I think they made the right call in just saying... <laughs> Google Plus. Yes. Um, <laughs> but at least, you know, be aggressive and killing. If you're going to, like, Google dragged things out. Google kills stuff, but it always waits, like, five years to kill something. Way too long,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, uh, at which point, the only people using it are the passionate diehards who love it and so are furious <laughs> that they've killed it. Yes. Um, You know, I'm still bitter about Google Reader. I'm sorry, I just can't help it. <laughs> But, you know, at least killing it this early on is is a good just kind of like, look, yeah, it didn't work. We're getting rid of it. Uh, TikTok stories, I have no opinion. I don't know. I don't I don't take the talks. I, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't have an opinion. Uh, yeah. That is going to be enough for this week. I think we will be back same time, same place next week. I can say with some confidence what we are going to talk about next week. We are going to go through the Xiaomi Mi Mix 4 and maybe the Mi Pad 5 if they do unveil that as well because I think they have said there's a tablet coming. Uh, we are obviously going to talk about Galaxy Unpacked. That means we're going to have the Z Fold 3, the Z Flip 3, the Galaxy Watch 4s, and the Galaxy Buds 2. And if I have my timings right, because it is next Thursday, and I think it's before our show starts, we should have the Honor Magic 3 series as well. Uh, so next week might be a little bit busy. I'm really hoping no one else has any announcements up their <laughs> sleeves, because we do three topics, and uh, we're, it's already straining at the seams.
1: Apple's like, mm, what's <laughs> this?
2: I hold my beer. <laughs> hold my beer, Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Uh, But yes, do tune in next week because it's clearly going to be a big bumper episode uh, and we're going to have an awful lot to talk about. So hopefully see a lot of you there. Uh, Until then. Bye.
1: Bye, guys.